0: Well, good evening. It's good to see all of you out tonight. I'm glad that you're here with us. Tonight we continue our series of the life and times of the kings of Israel. Tonight we're going to talk about a man by the name of David. One that we know quite a bit about. Maybe it'll help us to review a little bit. Last week we looked at Saul, a king that was not righteous before God. See that Saul disobeyed God's will, leading God's people to do the same along with him. And because of his disobedience, God rejected him as king, regretting that he had appointed him. And because of his rejection as king, God chose another to rule in his place. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for Himself a man after His own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over His people. Because you have not kept But the Lord commanded you. David was this man. As we look at our scripture reading in the book of Acts, he is referred to as a man after God's own heart. We'll see how he was and how he fit that description. But David, becoming the king of Israel, we see that he performed the will of God. Was he without mistakes? No. And we'll look at that as well. But we do see that David was a man after God's own heart. We'll begin our study of David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'll skip around a little bit. But we begin in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1. We see that David is chosen as king. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. Verse six So it was when they came. That he looked at alive and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. The man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart we we'll continue reading that Samuel went through all the sons of Jesse until there were none left standing there. And in verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? Then he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Shows a sense of urgency, doesn't it? In verse 12, So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready, with bright eyes and good looking, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now it's quite a bit later before David actually becomes king. But we do see that God had made his choice in who he wanted to be king. David, even as a young man, appeared pleasing before God. Not because of his good looks or his physical stature or anything of that nature. What God told Samuel was of the utmost importance. God doesn't look at physical hearing. God looks at the heart. He saw David's heart. He saw him to be a man after his own heart. And he was the one that he chose to be the next king of Israel. Notice that David was not your typical king. First of all, he was not the oldest but the youngest of his brothers. Whenever we look at a reign passing down from father to son, we see the oldest son is given the throne. So it's out of normal, whatever you would call it, I guess. It's out of the norm for David to be chosen king when he's not the oldest of his brothers. And furthermore, he's not of royalty either. His family is not the royal family. You would think it should be someone within Saul's family that the throne goes to, but no, that's not what God chose. God chose someone of another family because Saul had done so much wrong. He had displeased God so much that the kingdom was taken from his family. And David was chosen in his stead. Now this is not part of the reign of David, but it is very telling about David's character. Because we also read in Scripture that David faced a giant. He faced Goliath. And not only did he face him, but he faced him with a great deal of confidence. David, checking on the well-being of his brothers, learned of the Philistine giant, Goliath. He learned that he had been taunting the people of Israel. Just send someone to fight me. And it's very interesting to find that David was surprised to find that no one was willing to face him. And David volunteered himself. He volunteered his services to face the giant Goliath. This was against Saul's better judgment, but he allowed David to do so. He tried to give him armor. The armor didn't fit, but we do believe that David did face this giant 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's pick up reading at verse 40. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and And began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his God. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Verse 45, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day... The Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's. And He will give you into our hands. David was not what Goliath was looking for. When he was looking for someone to face him, he was looking for someone of the army. He was looking for someone dressed in armor and and coming with weapons And, and here David comes in. He's a good young looking good young good looking man. Perhaps he was looking for someone rugged. But David was not what Goliath expected. And David plainly told him, you come to me with weapons. You come against God's people with weapons. But I come in the name of the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Verse 49, Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. And he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Now, what's he going to do here? Because he's already told the giant, I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to remove your head. How? Without a sword. There's no sword in the hand of David. Verse 51, Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, They fled. What hope did they have? Their hope was in Goliath. Goliath. Life was gone. Through the power of God, through his trust in God, David was able to do the impossible. What seemed impossible odds David overcame them all because he placed his confidence and his trust in God. Remember, David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. for Very good reason. We see because of his confidence in God that he was able to defeat this giant. Now let's look at the reign of David over Israel and Judah. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, it says this. 2 Samuel 5, verse 1. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years. And six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. We see that Judah had anointed him king seven years and six months before Israel chose him to be their king also, reuniting the two kingdoms. Before this, Ishbosheth, Saul's son, reigned in Israel before David. During his reign, we see that David did many great things. He conquered the Philistines, as well as the Ammonites and the Syrians, as we read in 2 Samuel chapters 5 and 10. We see that he brought the ark of God back to Jerusalem, 2 Samuel chapter 6. He showed kindness to Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, who was lame. As we read in 2 Samuel chapter 9. David did much good during his his reign. But we also read that of all the good done within his reign. He was not without his mistakes. The man after God's own heart was not perfect. Let's look, for instance, at David's mistake with Bathsheba. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Verse 2, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? He should have stopped there. When he heard that she was the wife of another, he should have stopped. But we read in verse 4, Then David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. For she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house. The woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. David made a great mistake. And especially as leader of God's people, as king of Israel, He should have known better. I'm sure he did. But he called for the woman. He lay with her, and she conceived a child. This mistake, the mistake of adultery, led to other mistakes as well. David had Uriah placed on the front line of battle so that he would die. When confronted with his guilt, David admitted his wrong and repented. And we see again here, this is the man after God's own heart. Not because he was perfect, but because he had a penitent heart. We read his prayer in Psalm 51. I won't read all of it, but I do want to read a portion of it. Psalm 51, beginning with verse 1. says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Verse 17 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. David made a mistake. He made a very big mistake. But does that change his status as a man after God's own heart? When he realized his mistake, he was willing to repent. That's what made him different from anyone else that is following in the ways of evil. David was willing to repent. And he returned to pleasing God. It was not his only mistake. We see that David called for a census against the will of God in 2 Samuel chapter 24. And he faced God's judgment in that instance as well. The rest of David's reign was riddled with family problems mostly regarding his sons. But he never ceased loving God. He tried his very best to please him. His last words are recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 23. In particularly verses 2 through 7. 2 Samuel 23 verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me, He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house is not so with God, Yet He has made me, made with me an everlasting covenant. Ordered in all things and secure. For this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will He not make it increase? But the sons of rebellion shall all be as thorns thrust away. Because they cannot be taken with hand. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place. We read of his death in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. 1 Kings 2, verse 10. So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. And Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. And these are not the only words that are written of David. There are many other things that we don't have time to, to survey in this lesson. But one thing that I do want us to notice before we close our lesson is his reputation and lineage. A long time after David lived, coming all the way up into the New Testament in the book of Acts, in verse 13 we read this, In verses 22 and 23. He raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Verse 23. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. Despite his mistakes, despite his shortcomings, David was penitent. He did acknowledge his wrong before God. He asked for forgiveness. And in the end, we see that David was... Blessed, his family was blessed. His lineage was blessed. We read that he is part of the lineage of Christ. We see that through his seed, God raised up a Savior, Jesus. Jesus came to this earth. He lived He died. He died on a cross. He suffered punishment. Punishment that was not his. He suffered for us. Through the seed of David, we have redemption. We have forgiveness through the blood of Christ. We can learn so much from David. Seeing his imperfections helps us to to identify with him to some degree. Because we see our own imperfection. and We realize that just because we are imperfect, because we make mistakes, that doesn't define who we are. We are still children of God. He still loves us. Just as he loved David. Even after his mistakes, God still loved him. He still cared for him. He still blessed him because he asked for forgiveness. Because he, he did have the right heart. And through him, he raised up a Savior, Jesus, so that we can have forgiveness of our sins. If we have the heart of David. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 imitate me as I also imitate Christ. We're not to repeat the same mistakes of David. We're to seek to avoid them if at all possible. But I do think we do have a good example of how to handle things whenever we do make mistakes. have a penitent heart ask God for forgiveness. And if you're a child of God, if you've obeyed the gospel, repentance, confession, and baptism, if you've had your sins removed from you, He will remove those sins also. He is faithful to forgive as long as we are willing to be forgiven. As long as we seek forgiveness from God. And if you've not remained faithful, if You're a wayward child of God. If you need to come back, then the invitation is also yours. I hope that we do not take for granted the opportunities that we have. And certainly we have an opportunity. If anyone here is in need of responding to the invitation, this is your opportunity. To leave this place, a faithful child of God, one of His own, ready for eternity, ready for judgment whenever it comes. But if you're not faithful, if you need to come in obedience or repentance, if there's anything we can do to assist you, let me give you the opportunity. That's the other way standing as we sing.